0: Good evening and welcome to the latest Man on the Post-European Football Podcast. I am your host James Rowe and tonight I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening, how are you? Good
1: evening James, I'm very well, how
0: are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. I really enjoyed the Arsenal Sporting-Lisbon game last Thursday in London, although the behaviour of the sporting fans has a lot to be desired, but obviously there's good and bad eggs in every club in this wonderful world of football we are again we are again tonight we're going to start by um speaking about a different about a different club one that you know a lot about in its current climate and the problems that it's currently having and that is Chievo Verona. what is going on with the former Italian national team boss and the plight of that club at the moment
1: um, it's not going well on and off the pitch for Flying Donkeys. They're on to their third coach of the season already, and we're not even approaching Christmas. Um, so this horror show for Kiev they started in the summer, um, where they were deducted um, three points and fined two hundred thousand pounds for oh, they were for uh, a false accounts. Oh. So they were creating fictitious profits with Cesena by Jaden players to meet Serie A registration rules. Oh. So, uh, so uh, they were fined £200,000 and President Luca Campadelli was given a three-month ban. So uh, they didn't know how many points they were going to be deducted. So uh, in the early of September, they were deducted three points. And now 12 games into the season, they are on zero points. Mm-hmm. So they've had nine defeats and three draws, and they've already let go of uh, Lorenzo Dana, who was uh, let go uh, in early October. Uh, he was an ex-Chievo player and they brought in the lovely Gian Ventura who uh, did so well with the Italian national team it, today is a year ago to uh, to the date on which they failed to qualify for World Cup 2018 when they were defeated by Sweden mm-hmm. over the two legs in the playoffs mm-hmm. and there's uh, and that didn't go down well with the Italian national fans and then uh, he offered his resignation to Chievo uh, just after four games yes. uh, and then, Yes, and it's it's not going well for the flying donkeys um I think most Italian football fans including myself uh think it might be time for them to go back to Serie B they've been getting uh I'd just say getting like, surviving by the skin of their teeth each season and they find ways to do it and uh I think this season might be a season too far for them um Evidently, the three points they've picked up were a nil-nil draw against Empoli, a 2-2 draw against Roma, which still wrinkles with me today because Roma were 2-0 up and threw it away at home in the Stadio Olimpico just after the first international break in September. And at the weekend, they drew 2-2 with Bologna. Mm. And um, Chievo legend and veteran striker Serge Policier has come out and slammed uh, Ventura on his Instagram page for his short reign at Kievo saying after he arrived he didn't want to be here don't be like him don't be like Ventura we win and lose together that's how it must be in a team don't give up until it's over so uh, it's not going well for them and in this early stage of the season they are looking down the barrel of a gun uh, they are 7 points behind Frosinonia are sitting second bottom and 9 points away from safety so it's going to be a long haul and uh, Domenico Di Carlo who's just been announced as their new coach and this is going to be his third reign at the club has got a tall order ahead of him
0: Indeed he has and looking at the next um, Serie A match they're away to Napoli in Naples (laughs)
1: Yeah, and so, that's going
0: to be so. Things don't really get much easier for the flying no, donkeys. But looking no. at the looking at their squad as well, they also have Emmanuel uh, Giacolini, who had a very fruitful time at uh, Fiorentina and also uh, a, an eventful to... time at Sun at Sunderland. But yeah. he's he's obviously been involved with the Italian national setup. And you also mentioned about um, Sergio Policier as well. So. Maybe there are some shoots there, but um I think when I when I think of uh, Ventura, I was at a, a friendly match uh, between the Netherlands and Italy when the Netherlands had an interim manager in Fred Grim and Ventura was was managing it Italy. Italy won two that match two one. I remember watching him on the sidelines, um, Scott, and he looked immaculate, immaculate, suited and booted with leather shoes. And uh, yeah, he, he, right. he seemed to be, he seemed to be um, directing a very, very uh, animated warm-up where you thought, hang on, this this is going pretty. This is looking a bit tasty. And I remember when he took the Italian job that there was so much pride from the Italian FA that they'd give it to him. But it was like, I wouldn't say the second coming of Trap but i would say that they, they kind of made it feel as if we've got someone who has an awful lot of experience a la giovanni tadaptoni and he's going to make this italian national team sing again and mm. it all kind of went by the wayside with their playoff uh, with their playoff defeat to sweden as you say
1: yeah they lost in stockholm and there was cries for him to bring Jorginho into the side Jorginho mm. was having um, a renaissance at Napoli. But to be honest, he's a wonderful pu- football player, and Chelsea are getting the the rewards from him at the moment. Mm-hmm. And he makes um, makes you tick. He, he starts possession. He starts. He's good at retaining, and he's good at like a recycling possession. And for some reason, he was not picking him. And then in the second leg, he decided to play him. Play him and it just didn't, nothing worked and then there was, there was a viral clip that went around in, last year that will probably go around again where one of the backroom staff um, told Daniele De Rossi to warm up and Daniele oh. De Rossi is a defensive midfielder mm-hmm. and he goes, why should I be warming up expletive, expletive why don't you bring on Lorenzo Insigne <laughs> and it just like it baffles me where you're trying to win a game and you bring on a defensive midfielder
0: yeah, uh, it was very very strange. I know that, but um, that the Italian Italians have a word. You may know what it is in oriundi, meaning someone who is a descendant of, uh, yes. and not necessarily, uh, fully entitled to call himself a fully interna- Italian international. And I know that uh, maybe Jorginho is looked upon as an oriundi, although he's. Yes. Um, his paternal grandfather did hold Italian citizenship, but obviously he hails from Brazil, so it could be Ventura from the old stamp and the old guard was thinking, no, uh, can't really have that. But no. uh, obviously, you know, people will take the decisions they take. But uh, yeah, it's not looking, uh, it's not looking too healthy for Chievo Barona, and as you say, um, the new manager has a a huge task on his hands.
1: They've only um, had one win all season, and that was in the Coppa Italia third round at the start of August and that was a a 1-0 win over Pescara and they haven't won since they conceded 6 against Fiorentina in Florence which was um, the second round of fixtures, they lost 5-1 at home to Atalanta, evidently that was Ventura's first game for the club and just last week they lost at home to Sassuolo 2-0 where Emmanuel Giacarini scored probably one of the greatest home goals You'll ever see where Domenico Baradi threw one on one against uh, Stefan Sorrentino, the Kiev goalkeeper. Sorrentino does a brilliant save. The ball rebounds to Jaccarini, who chests it down, expecting his keeper to pick it up for him. But Sorrentino's not there, he's still on the floor, and it just trickles into the back of the net. Goodness. And Domenico Dominic- and Berardi just got this glazed smile on his face, just thinking, what the hell has just happened?
0: Goodness, and just looking ahead to their fixture after their trip to Naples, after the international break they're at home to Lazio so things are not really going to get much easier for them and it could well be a long, long season for Chievo
1: Completely agree, it it looks horrible They've also got uh, Parma, um, they're they're away at Spa they're home to Inter, and on Boxing Day they're away at Sampdoria, and then they've got Frosinone, and then they've after the uh, the Italian winter break, they've got Juventus away, and that's the. Dust. it's not
0: looking good for them No it is not, we are now going to move on to Belgium and speak about what they say in Dutch as Club Brugge but also is well widely known in the European parts as Club Brugge who had a tremendous result away in Monaco winning 4-0 and uh, we're going to shine the light now on Club Brugge and uh, what do you make of uh, the Belgian side's performance so far this season has got?
1: Um, it's looking quite good. I did some did some research on them yesterday. I was looking at the, uh, the Belgian, t- um, the league table at the moment. They're sitting second, um, after 15 games. Um, they're four by- four points behind, um, I don't know, Genk. I want to say Genk, but it's K-R-C Genk. Do I get the pronunciation right on the Dutch style of it? Uh, the, Dutch
0: style, the Dutch style is as follows. Genk.
1: Say so just like, yeah, yeah, with the, with the G, make the emphasis on the G, and, indeed,
0: and, indeed. Uh, and um,
1: their joint second, oh, I say joint second, Royal Antwerp, who are third, but um, uh, Club uh, a uh, second on goal difference. Mm. Now, look at the table, their home form is amazing mm. 19 points from seven games, and that's the best they're top of the table in the form guide at home but away from home it's their Achilles heel and they've picked up only 12 points from seven games and Mm. they have lost the two away defeats that they've had this season in the league have come away at standard the age and against Charleroi Mm. but in the Champions League that was one hell of a result last week, if you agree with me, James.
0: It was. It was a tremendous result, especially away from home. I remember watching the first leg and they they definitely have something about them. And they have, yes. some, they have some very, very good players. They have, uh, with the Dutch contingent, they have Ruud Vordema, who was chosen as the Belgian player of the year, I believe, last season. And he's v- very unlucky not to start for the Dutch national side, let alone be... be um, be involved in the in the squad, which is which is quite um, which is quite apparent. They also have Stefano Denswil, who used to play for Ajax in the past.
1: Yeah, uh, so but... I wanted to, to speak to you about that. He's been away from Ajax for a good couple of years. Do you think that was a a good move for him to go to Belgium? Yeah,
0: I think so. I think so. I think it's a comfortable move for him. <clears> I mean, he uh, he came through the youth um, team at Ajax and represented the Dutch. Um, uh, at youth level under 15s to under twenty ones and he had his moments in, in terms of being a strong commanding very tall centre back and um I just think he's very comfortable there the same as Rules Former. You also have Sofian Amrabat who also plays for Morocco and had a a decent a decent World Cup in terms of attacking play although he he got one injury which really um which really curtailed him and they also have a player who's uh, been making some um, some waves in uh, Tibel Fleetnik, who's the de- the defender, and uh, I know that he's been having some good um, some good performance recently, p- performances recently, and also as well you mentioned about the home form in the Jambelé Stadium. Um, that's a notoriously difficult place to go. The same can be said for Standard Liège as well, and uh, they can take an awful lot of heart from their um, from their Champions League campaign so far in a very difficult group. Mm, it's reme- a horrible group. I, I remember when the draw was made, and you had people saying the likes of poor uh, poor Bruch and um, you know very difficult. But they've done themselves justice. I think they will be playing in the Europa League. Um, it come the new year, and um, be very interesting to see what they will do. Because obviously going to Bruges might be a difficult uh, task for many many uh, European sides, but they've definitely got something about them. They've also in their manager as well, Ivan Leko, the Croatian, is has been having some good results. You have always had to remember, I think they're reigning Belgium champions as well. So there's definitely something about them. And it's just a bit of a purple patch for them, really. And obviously, you know, people associate Belgium with Anderlecht, for example, and standard Liège. But it's nice for Club Brugge, as we say here, um, to have a bit of a purple patch and be in the spotlight and and make waves in a European sense as well.
1: Yeah, they've also got a striker, is it Wesley, um, who is uh, scoring goals for fun for them this season, and uh, they've got uh, a player in Yeli Vossen, Mm -hmm. who is well known to a couple of English sides in Middlesbrough and Burnley. Um, It was a shame it didn't work for him over here, because I think both clubs were in the Championship when they signed him, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's gone back to Belgium and gone back to. Back to Club Brugge and has done pretty well for them, yeah. but um, yeah, their Champions League form I know, as you say, is a, a bit of a horror group. As we were saying, you got Atletico and Brugge Dortmund are, are both flying domestically, yeah. um, but to get four points and evidently it was both against Monaco who mm. are in the. You know,
0: they're, they're, like are in a horror
1: form at the moment yeah they've got 16 players out injured and they lost uh to PSG at the weekend yeah. and and you can see they're already set up for the europa league for uh, for um just after the winter yeah just because you can see what damage they could do um in the latter stages of that competition
0: yeah i um i stated um after um Arsenal Sporting Lisbon. When I spoke to Arsenal Fan TV, that uh, Arsenal have to be very aware and very wary of the Champions League dropouts this yes, um, yes, this definitely. season because we were knocked out by a Champions League dropout last season. And although the names of the clubs for some people are not notorious, uh, I believe teams like Bruges and Galatasaray, I believe they can do t- can do some damage, and I think the ignorance. From some clubs in some quarters, if it's not Barcelona or it's not Real Madrid, they're not interested, and they think yeah. everybody else is a pub team. But yeah. they'll, they'll get they'll get their comeuppance in that respect, you know. And um, I think um, I think Club Brusco can be very um, happy how things are going right now. And they've hit a purple patch, and uh, be very interesting to see how how they do. Obviously, you mentioned about uh, the Bra- uh, Brazilian striker they have in Wesley, and Yellow vossen as well. I do believe he was very unlucky. He had a great scoring rate um, before he left, and I think it was both difficult times for Middlesbrough and yeah. Burnley. And I think he was just maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you see what happens when a when a player is comfortable, and um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a settled squad as well. And uh be interesting to see how they uh, how they push on come the new year.
1: And um Ivan Lecker is a man after my own heart, playing with a back three, three five two or three four three. It back three, when it when it's when it's done right, it's a beautiful sight to see. But when it's done wrong, it's a horror show. It's a horrible mess.
0: Indeed we will keep an eye on events in Belgium. I also believe it's the first Belgian side we've spoken about on our Man and the Post European podcast and as listeners think it is. As listeners will know we try to cast the net far and wide and we try to give everybody uh, a pat on the back or, or or even an observation as to how things are going that's one of the things we pride ourselves on so we'll um, we'll keep an eye on the belgian league and and see what comes up and, and hopefully we'll speak about another belgian team in future tonight we are going to finish with what i've heard in some quarters um scott is a potential title candidate uh, candidate in um portugal and it's none of the big three it's sporting but Sporting braga yeah the the team
1: with probably one of the most iconic stadiums in portugal
0: a beautiful it is too
1: yeah one of the stadiums used for euro 2004 and it's it's uh it's probably one of the stadiums i would like to go to Mm. to watch football Uh, one on the bucket list just for its uniqueness Mm.
0: I I agree. I have I have seen Braga play Arsenal in two thousand and ten, and Arsenal won six 0 at the Emirates. Uh, the Braga manager back then was Doming- Domingo ba- uh, Palacios, and um, I we've spoken before about the tremendous work that uh, Tom Kunde does at World Soccer Magazine yes. and Portugal. Portugal. I saw yeah. I saw a tweet come by from him a couple of days ago before their match away at Porto, where he stated that he doesn't believe that uh, Sporting Braga will have a better chance to win the uh, Liga Sagres, And they were extremely unlucky last weekend in Porto, where they lost 1-0 in the 88th minute. They remain third, only three points behind uh, the current leader, Porto, after 10 matches. And their next game, I believe, is against Morienges. And be very interesting to see how they pick up. They uh, they appear to have a settled squad. And um, obviously you mentioned their stadium being an iconic uh, viewpoint. They've got a good manager in Abel Ferreira. And uh, obviously he's, um, he's accrued a lot of experience in his playing career for Sporting Lisbon and uh, Victoria Guimarish. He started out in the backroom staff at... Um, at uh, the the he was interim manager at Braga and uh, Braga the B team as well also managing Sporting B the Sporting Lisbon B team and uh, yeah I think with his experience especially in his career I think he's managed to um, to create a good solid squad and um, yeah it'd be very interesting to see if the monopoly of the the big three in Portugal can be broke this season we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Yes,
1: mainly the the top two in in Portugal is is always Benfica and Porto, and um, Sport and Lisbon have been trying so hard. And spending quite a lot of money just to try and break that, and then you have there was always the fourth team is always Sporting Braga.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when Portuguese football used to be shown over here in the UK, it still is. It's on one of the the channels which you, you probably won't find in Premier Sports. They show a couple of games a week. I just remember the days where it used to be shown on Eurosport. Um, but they, they, remember when they got to Europa League final and lost one 0 to Porto. Yep. Um Porto had an amazing side that that season I and mean, they won the trouble. But yeah, um, just looking at the table and looking at the fixtures that they've they've had, they've done pretty well this season. They've hit five against Nacional, even though that was an of the de Liga, which is the League Cup, I believe. The, yeah, the Portuguese League Cup. It's like in most countries they have the portuguese league cup and the portuguese cup mm-hmm. if my memory serves me right the portuguese league cup is a group stage then goes into the knockouts um they've they've beaten victoria set and they were pretty unlucky against porto one they lost one nil at the drug um a late 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 yeah. header from uh suarez and mm-hmm. um, um braga were unlucky um Right midfielder Ricardo es- is it Esquiao. If I apologise for butchering the Portuguese name, he was quite unlucky in the second half, smashing the upright uh, half, not halfway, just before the hour. Um, if that happens, if he scored, that could have changed the dynamic of the game. But they really couldn't hold out for the wit- uh, for the point. Sorry, but they were done right at the end. But it's nothing to worry about in the Portuguese league. Is always. It's going to be the top two, but hopefully Braga can pull, uh, not pull away, just to add to that. Because yeah, consolidate. Benfica, yeah, consolidate, because Benfica are fourth. Mm. They're normally at the top of the league, they're fourth, but yeah. Braga have got an excellent chance, as you were saying earlier.
0: Yeah, uh, having seen Benfica play against Ajax in Amsterdam back in October, they are far too conservative on the... Um, under the manager of uh, Rui vitoria it 's far, far far you associate Benfica with uh, attractive football, great football style yeah and and, 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 and is available i 've heard in some quarters that that 's what the fans want, but whether the um, whether the um, whether the board want that is another matter when you look at braga's squad as well it 's a mixture of Portuguese and Brazilians obviously the language is is very very it's comfortable sick. for many Brazilians there. And um yeah they've also got a european pedigree braga you know they've been playing in europe for a long long time and they've always been um been playing regularly in previous years in in europa league and champions league and yeah and they've accrued an awful lot of experience and also gained some good results as well, so I think that will I think that will stand them in good stead. They won't have any European distractions this season because they were beaten in the qualifiers by Zoya Luhansk from Ukraine, but it could well be a blessing in disguise for them. And it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, become a potential title candidate in Portugal this season.
1: Remember them playing in the Champions League against Udinese and they they beat Udinese on penalties. This was in the qualifying stages. Um, Mike Aswell, who is a Brazilian midfielder who has played in... Germany for Hoffenheim, I think it was. Decided to do a Penenka, and you could probably guess the rest. Yes. The, goal, the goalkeeper just stood down and caught the ball, and Braga went on to, to qualify. But I was looking at the the strikers. They've got they've got a guy called Diego Souza, mm-hmm. and Diego is um, Diego Souza. Uh, it's netted seven in ten for them in the league this season, and it looks like to be one of the strikers in form in the Portuguese league. And I was looking at their form; their form has been a bit hit and miss in the last five games, where they've won two, drawn two, and. Uh, Lost uh, away at Porto. The two wins were a three-nil away win at Belenenses, which followed with a two-one win over Victoria Setubal. Uh, then there was two one-all draws against Rio Ave and Victoria Gu- Guimaraes mm. and then the one-nil defeat to Porto. And as said earlier, they've hit five already in the uh, in the Portuguese League Cup. So they're, they're scoring goals.
0: Indeed, they also have a uh, a goal difference of plus of plus nine, and they've only lost one game so far this season in 10 so uh, there are green green shoots there and they could well be the biggest challenger to FC Porto this season whilst we are finishing on the subject of of Portugal I would like to let Sporting uh, Club de Portugal fans know that their new manager Marcel Kaiser in my opinion Scott could well be a masterstroke it could changer. very, it could very well be a masterstroke. He, um, he's extremely highly thought of, and he, um, obviously, he he received the Ajax job after Peter Boss because he was so highly thought of at boardroom level, having managed uh, young Ajax and, and brought through many good players and, and had a tr- traditional Dutch way of playing. And he, in ha- the season that he was in charge, they were knocked out of Europe completely. But they also had to deal with. Uh, Abdul-Hagnuri having a cardiac arrest and and, and suffering suffering a lot health-wise, which really was a massive cloud over the entire season. Season was over before it began. In that respect, and it was very difficult for him because he'd only just started the main job at Ajax, and you're confronted with such a, a, a terrible, terrible event. And um, it was difficult for everybody to keep their heads. It was difficult for him as well. But considering how Sporting want to get back to the academy being the core of what happens, all that's good about the club, I believe if they give him time, it could well be a masterstroke. Uh, Scott, we are now going to pass on our respective Twitter handles because I'm trying to get into the habit of always making sure that we pass them on. Would you like to tell the listeners how they can contact you and uh, if they want to ask you any questions as regards to Italian football or European football in general, how can they how can they reach you?
1: Oh, the plight of Swindon Town, which is uh, not looking the great at the moment. Uh, it's, you can follow me at, at Scott underscore Monroe.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. And if uh, listeners would like to uh, ask me questions about European football or particularly Dutch football or uh, regards to any interviews I might have done recently, you can contact me on at L. We would like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post podcast network where we really do have something for everybody in terms of unusual efforts and Man on the Post extra time. We've got lots of podcast voices out there who are well in tune and can teach you and can help you learn something you didn't know before so there really is something for everybody so please check it out we'd like to thanks uh, say thank you to our listeners once again for joining us we're really enjoying this podcast and it's an awful lot of fun <laughs> should, you, should you have any questions in future however vague you think they might are they might well be please don't hesitate to um to ask that please don't wait for the initial tweet for questions but drop us a line at any time and uh, we'll see what we can do so thanks once again for listening listeners and always remember to keep your man on the post